You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddam. So today I want to work on cleaning up some of the news and notes that I've been neglecting because there's a ton of stuff going on. Uh, Just rip through these real quick, get back over to Patreon, look at some more of the questions, comments, concerns, get through that, and we'll call it a Sunday. How does that sound? First of all, uh, apparently Roger Goodell is uh, primed to sign a new contract. I guess there was some rumblings that maybe this would be his last contract. He just said, no, that ain't going to happen. The guy makes um, an unbelievable amount of money. There is nobody in the NFL, not including the owners, although if you're talking about revenue from the team, I don't know exactly how much revenue these owners are making off their teams. It's possible Roger Goodell is just making more money than everybody. Again, if we're just talking net worth, obviously the owners are more. But, but anyways, d- dude's uh, making a ton of money. And so, again, the prospect of him walking away, I mean, you know, I, I don't know him. At some point, I'm sure somebody says, I've got plenty of money, more than enough that I could ever, you know, fathom. Somewhere in the ballpark of like $175,000 a day kind of thing. Maybe he'll be able to survive and he's, you know, the stress and everything else. I don't know. But point is, it's very unlikely he's just going to turn down $70 million a year. So anyways, any um, thoughts or daydreams of the NFL getting massively improved by getting new leadership is um, relatively low. Again, it's, it's just a, it's a relationship that was made in heaven for everybody except everybody that isn't an owner. Again, it's, it's my opinion that Roger Goodell is not doing a good job of running the NFL. I think he's doing a good job of generating revenue, which is to say negotiating contracts with television companies. So for example, one of the things that would make the experience better would be to broaden out availability of where and how you can watch uh, the NFL. You could uh, get Game Pass working a million times better. In fact, everything NFL related as far as their websites and all the digital stuff is garbage. NFL.com is a terrible website. Packers.com is a terrible website. They're all garbage. Game Pass is complete trash. Everything that they build and create is not very good. But again, you could expand out. I know there was talks about uh, Twitter wanting to get involved and possibly buying um, some games. And just, just there's different areas that you can explore. But then at the same time, you have these dying news, not news, um, cable companies that are doing everything they can to use their money to buy people like Roger Goodell. I mean, it's, it's not really a fair way to say it. I mean, they're offering a, a really sizable contract. But the point is they, they are paying for these exclusive rights and all that stuff. And it just it makes it less interesting and, and available and affordable for us to watch football. And it's not really doing the job of, of expanding the game, in my opinion. In fact, if your goal is to expand into Europe and Canada and South America and all these different places, I think there's ways that you can do that. But again, at the end of the day, the number one goal is making sure we have more money today. 
Number two goal is making sure we have more money tomorrow. Number 17 goal is try to make the NFL as uh, enjoyable to watch as possible. It's also why it's just like the NFL is constantly apologizing for everything, you know, constantly trying to fix everything. That was a bad call. So we got to fix that with a new rule. We're constantly coming out with new rules and all the new rules suck, but we're so scared of litigation again, money. So we got to change all the rules so that nobody ever gets hurt and nobody plays physical and nobody plays tough. And it's like, you know, you can't erase toughness from a tough guy sport without just erasing football. But again, Roger Goodell is less interested in preserving the quality of the product, improving the quality of the product, expanding the product. His number one goal is making sure that the guys that vote him in and make sure that he can continue to collect his $60, $70 million a year salary are happy with him. And the way that he can do that is make sure that the owners are making massive piles of cash every year. So it's this like locked in little system where, you know, Roger Goodell pays them, pays the owners so that the owners can pay Roger Goodell. And we're just sitting here like, hey, can we do this? Like, no, nah, that doesn't really help our little ecosystem over here. Okay, thanks. <laughs> hey, can we get this? Nah, we're trying to appeal to more casual fans so that we can get more people involved that don't actually like football. Oh, oh, I see. So I, I like football, so I'm less of a priority. I got it. Okay, fair enough. If you can't tell, I'm not a big fan. Now, granted, I, I'm also a proponent of the idea that uh, the evil you know is better than the one you don't. It's entirely possible that after Roger Goodell, somebody else comes in that is way worse. In other news, I guess the USFL is coming back, except it's not really coming back because apparently this USFL has no ties whatsoever to the old USFL. So we're trying to appeal to this old league that failed in hopes that it can help us with the perception that this time we won't fail. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. I can't get behind any of these things. I've, I've, I've completely given up. Right? I think when the XFL was like, we're going to try this again and this time we're going to be smarter and then it failed and then another league came out and then they failed and then another league came out and then they failed. It's like... I, Guys, guys, I, here's the thing, though. I want to know what the plan is. What is the plan with these other leagues? Because, you know, there's some talk of, well, you know, it was actually, you know, the AAF or whatever was really exciting. It was exciting for like a week. A lot of these get a lot of hype early on, right? They build up the hype on social media. Everybody's trying to pick a team. And it's like, oh, look at, you know, they got these cool videos that come out. Dang, man, the gargoyles. Oh, I'm picking them because the Vipers had the coolest video. I like the colors. You know, I usually pick the Tampa Bay team because it's Tampa Bay and I just want to be there right now. Always, at all times. But then, you know, it's like you watch your team suck and it's like, well, of course they suck because it's just castaway players. It's like if the, it's like watching a, a, a preseason game with no starters and also no real rooting interest because you, you, it's not even the Packers. It's like if, if the Packers preseason, but then they decided they were going to start their own team and then mix up the players and just have a little exhibition game. Uh, Okay. And there's like four guys that you've heard of. Maybe like one guy that was a Packer on the practice squad like three years ago. Like, oh yeah, I'll root for that team because of that guy. They got Maxwell McCaffrey, Christian's uh, brother or cousin or whatever that was on the Packers for like, you know, a month. Yeah, man. I I just, you know. And then on top of that, it's like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have all these teams and they're all going to play at one stadium. Why? Well, because I mean, it's a new thing and we're kind of broke. And so we're not able to put out a good product yet. But once everybody starts loving our, our subpar product and we start making tons of money, then we'll start buying up stadiums and then we'll really get big. It's like, that seems like such a stupid strategy. It's like, I'm going to start a restaurant, but I don't really have any money. So it's actually just going to be like a street corner and we don't really have good food. But if we get enough traffic here and people buy our bad food in our bad location and we start making money, then we can upgrade to uh, better food and, and a building. And then maybe we'll have a successful restaurant. No, no, I don't, I don't think that's a good plan. 
So yeah, we got we got a bunch of players nobody cares about playing somewhere out in the middle of Tennessee or wherever it is, Alabama, in hopes that during the NFL offseason people are so desperate for football that uh, you know they'll they'll watch this. And don't get me wrong, I, I might watch it, but I just you know I, I'll I'll miss a few, and I won't be sad about it. You're not you just you, you can't. This is the thing, my my and our love for the NFL isn't just I like watching people play football. Maybe for some people it is. It's not for me. I, I, I guess I don't love football. I love the NFL. I don't, like, I don't even like college football. It's not interesting to me. And that's a well-established thing with well-established teams and stadiums and, you know, 100,000 people in the stands and, you know, decades of tradition and all kinds of great stuff. You know, I've got the Wisconsin Badger Stadium. I drive past it every single day. I, I don't, it's not interesting to me. You know, they've, they've got the big band and they've got the, their own little fight song and everything. There's, there's tradition involved in this. And my love of, of football goes back to me being a kid and being raised with this and, and just the excitement and the, the fun and all that. I mean, you can't just manufacture that because, well, we have a team too. Okay, I'm sorry. It's not guys in suits and helmets running around catching footballs that I like. It's the tradition. I mean, think how excited we all get in fall. Why? Because it's fall and fall means football. There's something so ingrained in our DNA with the NFL, not football, the NFL. That when the leaves start to fall off the trees, it does something to me because it reminds me, it takes me back to being seven years old and watching football with my dad, hearing the, the NFL on Fox song. I'm sorry, you can't just create a song and it's all of a sudden going to be the same. It's never going to be the same. So what, what are we trying to do here? What is the goal? To be some slightly amusing you know, thing that we do in the meantime, and we're not really going to make a ton of money doing this, but it's, it's something. It's a way for us to kind of pad our pocketbooks. But I, that's the thing. I don't think so. I think the goal of this, I know the goal of you know, the XFL and, and the, the uh, USFL back in the 80s or whatever, the goal was to be a rival to the NFL, to eventually rise to that level. And again, I just don't see how that's possible. I don't see how, I mean, it, it's got to be a multi-generational thing so that kids growing up now have always known the two leagues and, and they just always kind of like this. So in 20 years, You've got a new generation of people that are, that are debating what's better. You know, 15 years, whatever. You're going to put out 15 years of being mocked and ridiculed and making no money and fighting through, you know, a handful of st- and eight teams? Come on, man. Eight teams? Or how, I don't even know. Usually they start off with eight teams. I think this might be eight also. I don't know. And you, you've got to get to the point where you're making enough money to lure away people. But again, you have to have an actual product that means something, which means you have to have some level of viability. You've been around for at least five years. If you're going to start stealing away draft picks from the NFL, if you're going to start, it's not just money. Because, yeah, maybe you can offer more money the first time around, but what about the second time around? And that was the one thing the USFL did that was able to be successful is they actually bought away high-profile players which is the only way you're going to get some interest. You know, if, if Trevor Lawrence, granted, pretty bad example considering how bad he's been, but if Trevor Lawrence made the decision to go to the USFL because they offered him more money or whatever, then yeah, that would, that would pull some interest over there. We'd want to go watch that. But if you still are eight teams in one stadium, I'm sorry, Trevor's not going there, and I don't even think I care anymore. He just made a decision to go. I mean, you, you could have paid him $10 million to go pretend to be a monkey in a zoo. And he did it for the money, and I'm not going to go to the zoo and watch Trevor Lawrence uh, run around in, in a cage. I'm, I'm just not interested. So, so again, there, there still has to be a product. There has to be something viable. And, and, and again, if you want Trevor Lawrence to go, because he's looking at this saying, that's cool, you can offer me more, like yeah, as far as my rookie contract, you know, 20 million bucks out of the gate. I can't get that in the NFL, even as the number one overall pick. At least I don't think so. What is the number one overall pick yet? Year one is like 
it looks like $7.8 million, maybe, if I'm reading this chart right. So the NFL will give you seven, we'll give you 10. Well, great, that's more. But what about my next contract when the NFL is looking at giving me $50 million a year? You're going to be able to offer me that? Well, no, but we'll give you 10 right now. Cool. So 10 and then flop and then hope you know that the NFL is interested in me. And they're like, did you have fun over there with your extra couple million dollars? Would you like to come back over here? We'll give you some money, but not nearly enough because we haven't really seen you play against real competition because the USFL sucks. So again, I, I, I don't see a, a very clear and easy path unless we're willing to, again, commit 15 years of a very slow, gradual grind where we're going to eventually get way more teams and every team gets their own stadium. And you're making real money with stadiums that are actually full of people and fans and tradition. And you have enough money that you can start pulling away players. I'm I'm talking, they don't go to the NFL, they come to you first. Otherwise, all you're talking about is being this forever, where, you know, eventually we get our own team uh, stadiums, but they're going to be small stadiums because nobody wants to go, but that's fine. It's it's basically like um, those farm leagues for baseball, you know, where they're really small areas, but they're pretty fun. You know, you got uh, entertainment and games and some, you know, get some hot dogs. But those guys aren't run by multi-billionaires. That's, that's the other part I don't get. Why would a billionaire invest in like a, a farm league baseball team where you're making, I don't even know how much money those things pull in, but it can't be very much. You're investing in a league so that you can make, what, 150 grand a year? Pretty sure these guys don't get out of bed for that much money. And yeah, maybe you can work up some great TV deals and stuff in year one. But again, when these uh, television executives see that you're not really pulling the numbers and that the numbers started to decline over time because it was initially based on hype and then started to slowly decline as people stopped caring, I don't think you're going to get big TV deals anymore. So I just, I don't see a viable path here. I don't see what it is. I don't think it makes any sense to just say, we're just going to stay this small garbage league that really serves no purpose. Even, Even the whole farm league to the NFL thing doesn't make sense because that's called college. So really all they're doing is what competing with the the Canadian Football League. You know that league that almost none of those guys make it into the NFL and then when they come back to the NFL despite all the hype by fans, they're really not good football players. That's the pool you're going to be competing with. And you'll probably do a good job because they're mostly Americans that would probably rather not go to Canada anyways. So if you can offer any kind of a money that's competitive, fine, but I just I just think the whole thing is stupid. The the only thing that makes any amount of sense is you need to be a completely different product. And a and just massively better product outside of the, the football players. So you have to have longevity. You're putting in a bunch of money with the expectation of probably losing money. But the AAF was on to, stu- on to something when we're talking about why, you know miking up the refs and the, the coaches and the players so you can hear all the calls come in. I mean, you should have different camera angles. You should be online so where I can log in and I can see the play being called. All different kinds of stuff. I can go online and I can go to the website and I can see all different camera angles. One of them actually had something like that where you can go online and track the players and say, that's what I'm saying. The cool stuff like that where I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to check that out. But it's, it's more about like the gadgets and, the, and the, the, it's more like a sci-fi thing, you know? It's futuristic. It's cool. I don't really care about the players or the play, but, but I can get into it over time. And if you can build a culture around it or a subculture around it where you can play games around it, you know, or uh, betting. Again, if, if I could just see the play call coming in, that would be crazy. You know, you know what certain people could do with that kind of stuff? Even if it was just after the fact, you know, because you don't want any kind of cheating. But it, it's, it's sort of like when you're watching poker, you can see what, you know, all the players and the cards that they have. If you don't want to do it during because you're worried about cheating, which I doubt, you know, maybe, maybe if the league became like a big deal, then yeah, eventually you'd have cheating. But at this point, it's, it's more important that you preserve the quality of the product than to, to cheat and win some meaningless game that doesn't mean anything. But fine, show the play after the fact. 
that that alone would be one of the coolest things. I think I don't even understand really what the plays mean or all that kind of stuff, but that would be super cool. And and the the amount of people that would love to do YouTube breakdowns. You get like a Coach Hawn or 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 Sam or or um, you know any of these film guys that'll sit down. And I mean, they can go through, especially if you make it accessible. And that's the other thing. No copyright strikes. You go ahead and put stuff on YouTube because I want to build hype. I want a guy to build a channel that gets, that has, you know, 150,000 subscribers that just talks about my league. That's more valuable to me than some stupid copyright strike. You're stealing my content. Steal it. Take it all. Build a culture around what I'm doing here. We need that desperately. Then you can have these guys breaking down stuff and, and, and they can go back in and say, here's a play I wanted to highlight. And you can talk about the play, but then also the play call. Here's what they called. Here's why I don't think that was a good call based on this. Or it was actually a perfect call, but the defensive call, oh man, it was such a gutsy thing. And here, that's interesting. I'm getting excited just talking about it. But, but, but again, that's the only thing in the world that makes any sense. And again, even then it's like, I'm not sure what direction we go. Do we just try to build this out and be our own little thing, our own little niche thing? We're not really going to steal players because it's not really about the players. It's about the the fun environment and the culture and all that kind of stuff. Or are we going to be like, we're, we're going to really hammer this thing and then we're going to take out the NFL? I don't I don't know. And plus, the NFL is kind of your follower base anyways. And if you take the NFL away from people that are your fans, they're probably not going to be happy with you about that. Like, if you're stealing players away from the Packers, I don't like you anymore. But, but, am I going to watch? Right? I, I, I'm mad at you but I'm going to watch because you just took Aaron Rodgers and he's now playing for you. I mean, that, you know, obviously that's not the case, but whatever. Imagine if they took Jair. Oh, 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 I think that's unforgivable. That would be, that would be unforgivable. If, if they, if, if, if Jair announced he was going to go over to this league, like, yeah, you know, I'm looking for a big contract and I got this and so I'm going to leave. Man, be pretty brutal. But I don't think we have to worry about that because again, I don't think that's what these leagues are going to be doing. I think they're just going to look at it and say, we, we're going to do the NFL, but we're going to do it better. And by better, they just mean, I don't know, less penalties or something. And maybe a couple adaptations of, of different things. But mostly, we're just going to play football, and we think that people are just going to start watching us, and then eventually we'll be big and, and whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Something to keep an eye on. On the off chance that they are actually doing cool stuff, then, then you know maybe we got something fun to do in the meantime. Just my thoughts. So I'm, I'm just to the point now where I'm just annoyed every year that we have to see these leagues popping up that have never even made it to two years. I know COVID was brutal. I get it. But it just it, it never made sense to begin with. But anyways, a um, little bit of news on that, because as much as I've been trashing it, we're going to follow it because it's something to do. You've got two leagues, the South and the North. So, I mean, hey, play that Civil War angle. Could be kind of cool. Although that'll be canceled in about five seconds. By the way, the 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 stadium is in Birmingham, Alabama. So yeah, you could you could play that. The, the first stadium is going to be in the north and make it like Springfield, Illinois, or something. <laughs> A little homage to uh, Abraham Lincoln. I'm just saying, I think it would be kind of cool. I'm sure people would want to cancel the league immediately, but I don't care. I want to. I still, still would want to watch it. But the North divisions are the Michigan Panthers, the New Jersey Generals, the Philadelphia Stars, the Pittsburgh Maulers, Southern Division has the uh, Birmingham Stallions, who apparently will have a home game every single week, the Houston Gamblers, the New Orleans New Orleans Breakers, and the Tampa Bay Bandits. So yes, I'm leaning Tampa Bay at this point because, again, it's Tampa Bay. For some reason, these expansion teams are always looking at Tampa Bay, probably because some of these owners are basically just like me, where they're like, look, I'll do it, but I want to be in Tampa. That's my team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in Tampa. Why Tampa? Weather. I don't know. I mean, you got you know, big market. Apparently there's there's space or something. We keep going to Tampa. I don't really know. There's there's a stadium space, and uh, you know Tampa. 
Apparently, there are some um, potential other teams that are going to be added. Uh, the, the league announced that the season will be played with a minimum of eight teams. They've also retained some of the names. So again, this was basically a buyout of the name USFL. There's not really a connection, but they've also retained all the names of the other teams. And so there's some teams that are basically going to be expansion teams when they happen. So for example, the Chicago Blitz, not currently listed as a team, but presumably that will be a team. The Los Angeles Express, um, Tampa Bay Bandits is already a thing. Houston Gamblers is already a thing, but um, there are some other teams that are uh, presumably going to be added, such as the Jacksonville Bulls, which is not an old team, but they've uh, bought the rights to that name. So again, so so they're kind of already in the process of we're going to be adding some teams relatively quickly. So maybe this year it's eight, and then we we start growing rapidly. And don't get me wrong, I'm rooting for this. I want there to be something awesome, some football in the offseason. I'm just jaded because I get excited every year and then I get let down. So, But each team is going to have a 38-man active roster and a seven-man practice squad. So they're going to be smaller rosters, but who cares? Um, you're making 45 grand a year if you're an active roster player, 15 grand for a practice squad player, $600 weekly during training camp. Uh, players also receive bonuses of $850 per win. That's not bad. And ten grand for winning the championship. So I guess there would be some cheating right off the bat if, if it was the opportunity, because they're not making any money. I mean, forty-five grand is your base salary. You better be getting some wins, because I need that eight fifty. And heck yeah, I need ten grand for a championship. Players apparently have to uh, pay their own rent at a cost of seventy-five dollars per room per day. That seems kind of crappy. I can't afford seventy-five dollars a day room if I'm making forty-five grand a year. I can't afford that now when I'm making more than that. But again, this is why nobody's really going to come to this league, at least early on. But, you know, make it kind of cool, get some TV contracts, start getting some more money, whatever, we'll see. Would I love to go to Birmingham, Alabama to, uh, to watch some fake football? Yes, I would. Tickets apparently are 10 bucks. So again, this is just like a, what do they got, like the duck pond over in Madison or whatever, one of those kind of deals, like 10 bucks for a ticket. You come in, hang out, family-friendly event. With children age 15 and under are free. They're just trying to pack these stadiums, which again, smart. Don't... If you're going to make this work, you cannot worry about money early on. If you're trying to like scrape as much money as you can, you're going to fail. Same with the copyright strikes. It's basically free. Everything's free. There should be no barriers whatsoever to people watching, consuming, and enjoying your product. Again, that was my biggest issue with the AAF. And it's not even an issue because pretty much everybody has cable these days, but I didn't. So the first game was on regular TV. I loved it. Then it went to cable. Couldn't watch it anymore. Lost interest. And, and immediately after that, it fell off. So I'm sure I'm not the only one. And I'm certainly not going to be paying for, like, YouTube TV for that. I'll pay for it for football, for the NFL, but not for this. <sighs> I didn't expend, uh, intend to talk this long about it, but uh, the, the reason it came up is because actually the USFL is getting started relatively quickly. Um, the USFL draft is coming up. Apparently there are 280 players. Again, these are somewhat castaway players. That doesn't mean there aren't going to be a couple that is like, ooh, dang, man, I remember that guy. But they will be announcing those, and this article was on um, the 18th, so two days ago, and it says in this article we'll know within the next five days, presumably because that's when the draft is, um, who these people are. Now, there was a um, USFL draft pool trackers and players. In other words, there's a list right now of um, potential USFL players. So this draft is on Tuesday, but a couple of the names that are listed here, um, at least ones that I've heard of, Chase Litton. Um, played college at Marshall, played for the Kansas City Chiefs for a little bit, Jacksonville Jaguars for a little bit, and has been a part of just about all these fake leagues, the CFL as well as the XFL Tampa Bay Vipers and the XFL Seattle Dragons he played for. 
As far as running backs, I don't recognize any of these names. There are a few that have played for a certain teams. C.J. Marable apparently played for the Bears. Uh, Brian Burt for the Raiders. Uh, Jaquan Gardner for the 49ers. And then Kelvin Taylor, 49ers, Seahawks, Chiefs, Browns, Falcons, and Orlando Apollos. But anyways, um, there are, at least on this list, nobody that has been a Packer at any point ever. So we don't even have that to get excited about. But whatever. Well, again, we'll keep a, a, an eye on it, see if there's anything interesting going on. It'll be interesting to see how much hype there is. It's actually kind of disappointing that there hasn't been any hype now. I mean, the draft is coming up in a couple of days. I barely heard about it. In two months, they're, they're playing football. I mean, has, has there been a hype video? Has there been anything going on? I just, again, I don't know. Anyways, in other news, couple, few more things before we take a break and get to the Q&A. Um, apparently, Eric Weddle, um, one of the guys on the Super Bowl winning uh, Rams team, is going to call it quits. Not super surprising. The guy's super old. He just came back to kind of help out. He won a Super Bowl. He got injured pretty bad, so it, it makes perfect sense. But we did get confirmation he is apparently going to be a high school coach at Rancho Bernardo High School. So that's kind of cool. Um so, so again, the only, the only reason I'm kind of keeping track of that is that the Rams seemingly want to run it back, and I don't know to what degree they can do that. So it'll be interesting to kind of keep an eye on that. I, I mean, Weddle wasn't, he wasn't their best player on the team, but you've, you've also got OBJ. Uh, Aaron Donald is still somewhat of a question mark, although it sounds like he's coming back. Whitworth, I think, is, is done. Not positive, but we'll see. Maybe they can convince him to run it back. Uh, Von Miller, again, I don't know that that's going to be a long-term pro. I don't know if they planned on that being long-term, but maybe now that they won, they're like, hey, let's, let's see if we can squeeze one more out of it before we just call it quits, like in Tampa. But um, we, we got confirmation the head coach is coming back, presumably. I mean, that's what he said. Uh, and we got confirmation that Weddle is um, not coming back. That's about it, other than Aaron Donald seemingly saying, let's run it back, which I would assume, unless we just say he was drunk and didn't really make a lot of sense, which is possible. Uh, I would assume Aaron Donald is also coming back, but we shall see how that goes. A little bit of drama coming up for the Kansas City Chiefs once again. We heard the stories about the um, offensive coordinator as well as Pat Mahomes not getting along very well. Um, There was confirmed at least a blow up on the sideline and then the report coming out that that was not an uncommon thing and they didn't really like each other, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Pat Mahomes is being hit with more drama um, with some kind of report coming out that he has barred his fiance and brother from games. So here, here's the thing. This, this also, I was reminded this morning before I talked about this, about the report that came out that apparently Tom Brady and Bruce Arians were not getting along and there was a ton of drama and all this kind of stuff. And Bruce Arians was, was really upset about that report. Pat Mahomes has come out and said, you guys are just making stuff up, referring to, um, he said that at first referring to the offensive coordinator thing, and he came out and said it again about the fiance and brother. He didn't flat out deny either one of them, but it was kind of just a rolling the eyes like you guys are ridiculous kind of thing. Here's here's the thing to keep in mind, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean everything is true or false, but I think what generally we've learned, and this has been going on for several years, I mean, before the Aaron Rodgers drama stuff, but I, I had started to say probably two, three years ago that, that the, uh, the NFL is soap operas for dudes. There's a lot of drama in the NFL, and I think that's, um, I think that's growing, and I think it's growing for a reason. First of all, media is growing. Um, you know this because if you try to do any research like I have and look back at something that happened, like what was going on back in Brett Favre's day, look at how many articles are online. You can't hardly find anything. You'll, you'll find like a blog that was around that's gone now and maybe NFL.com or Packers.com. There's not much out there. There are so many websites, podcasts, blogs, YouTube channels now. There's just a ton, a ton of stuff out there. 
Not to mention social media means that some of these things actually do get leaked out. We have more insight and information into players, and, and a lot of players are being more open about certain things. More people are being open, whether it's intentionally leaking information or just putting stuff on social media that gets found out. And so all this culminates to more information and more drama. So on, on one hand, you have a media entity, which I would include myself in to some degree, that really wants big news. And if it's not there, which is the, the, the problem with the offseason, there is no real big news, so it, a lot of it needs to be manufactured. So there's a desire for that, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a lie. It could be that we're just digging harder into drama and finding it, whereas in the regular season, that's not necessary. It could mean that there's little bits of information that get blown up into really big things that aren't necessarily entirely true, but is, you know, let's say 85% true with 15% salacious speculation. So I don't want to necessarily just write all this off and say this is all nonsense being spun up by the media, because again, we did that with Aaron Rodgers, despite the fact that the vast majority of what we heard was true. People are still giving the media a hard time about the fact that Aaron Rodgers was never leaving. And it's like, well, are you kidding me? He absolutely was. He said he was. He said he was contemplating not coming back and then decided to come back. And the fact that he decided to come back doesn't mean that the reports that he wanted to leave were untrue because he flat out said he was planning on or contemplating not coming back. Now, again, that doesn't mean it was 100%, right? 85% was true, but then there were certain things where I was like, that's not true. There were certain very specific rumors about, you know, Den Denver was real close to making a deal. I don't think that was true. Now, again, I don't think that was Schefter that reported that. That was some radio guy or whatever, and then you got other people saying that's not true. But, but it all kind of gets conflated into this bigger story, which ends up being about 75-85% truth and then 15-25% to 25 falsehood. And yes, there are some that are just completely made up, but not usually by the, the, the higher-up, bigger media people. But the, the point is, this kind of stuff is just going to be happening all the time. And I think, especially with Aaron Rodgers, I think Aaron Rodgers was such an unbelievable cash cow. And as much as the media might be mad about his stance on COVID, I think they also profited massively from it. It's kind of like, you know, MSNBC and Trump. They don't like Trump, but at the same time, they loved Trump. <laughs> they made so much money off that guy because there were so many headlines. Didn't matter if it was true, fake, half true, doesn't matter. Headlines galore. And I think that's the same with, with Rogers. And, and with Rogers, again, it's, we've got some Rogers stuff, but why don't we expand this? This is a cat. So what do we do? We go out and we talk about Bruce Arians' relationship with Tom Brady. Why? Because it's a massive story. So all the big quarterbacks are going to get hit with this. Pat Mahomes is next on the list, and they've already hit him with two stories. And, and that's the thing. That, that was just some random blog that kind of caught that, that whole thing. And look how much attention it got. And so immediately, all of the media people are looking at that going, that's where the money's at. And they followed it. And now guess what? There's a new story. Pat Mahomes denies report that he's barred fiance and brother from games. So, so there's the report, which we made a bunch of money on. Now there's the reaction. So we're going to make money off that. Josh Allen better go hide in a bunker somewhere. Josh Allen is doomed. That dude sneezes wrong. They're going to write a report that he's trying to leave the team via sneezing through the atmosphere, just launching himself to the moon. He hates the Bills so much. Joe Burrow? I heard that cigar, completely packed with weed. The whole thing. That's what I heard. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting stuff. I'm going to tell you about it. I'll give you my opinion on how true or false I think it is. Not that that necessarily matters. Again, I believe the reports on Biennemi because it makes sense. It follows all the logical paths of the guy who's been an offensive coordinator for one of the best teams in football is having a hard time finding a job, unlike other minority coaches. Why? Well, then you hear reports that he's not really well-liked and he's got a bit of an attitude and all that. And it's like, oh, well, that kind of makes sense. Pat Mahomes told his uh, fiance and brother they're not allowed to ever attend games. No, no, 
there may have been some kind of a sit down heart to heart, like, look, this social media stuff is stressing me out. Do you think maybe we could cool it? I would bet any amount of money we'll see immediately next year these guys at the at these games. In fact, apparently this has already been outed as completely fake. The guy that said it had a source and the source wasn't even a real source. So, so you've got, here, here's what he said. He says, I can't substantiate the information that I tweeted out earlier today regarding Pat Mahomes and his family. Uh, Ornberger, who's a football player, said, the source I received the information from was posing as someone I trust. I will delete the tweet later today along with the original thread. Please pass this along. In other words, somebody pretended to be like Tyreek Hill and was like, guess what, dude? I got some information. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> and it wasn't Tyreek. It was some guy named Fred who uh, took five seconds to create a new profile and did one of those like fake blue check mark things. But again, th- this is the off season. This is how it goes. And, and I, don't, I don't necessarily dislike I know people are especially mad about it when it comes to like Aaron Rodgers and whatnot. I, give me all that, man. If it's something stupid, it gives me something to scream about. If it's something legitimate, then it's, then it's interesting information. I don't know. Let's do this. What do you guys want? No news? I don't want that. I don't want to go dark in the off season. Give me something to do other than the USFL. <laughs> um, in other news, Flores landed a job. The Steelers have hired former Dolphins coach Brian Flores, a senior defensive assistant and, assistant and linebackers coach. I'll be completely honest. I almost, as soon as I saw this, I almost retweeted this and said, people are going to be furious. Every single comment, everybody's jacked. Everybody's super jacked about it. So you know what? If you're happy, I'm happy. <laughs> Maybe it's the, the part where it says senior defensive assistant, but I'm looking at the part where he's basically being given the job of linebackers coach and then kind of some fake fluff title, which is usually a title given to guys that really want to be head coaches and don't want to, you know, like I'll be your linebackers coach, but if I take a demotion all the way to linebackers coach, I'm never going to get another job again. Like I got to work up to getting a defensive court. So if you can give me some fake role, like senior defensive assistant so that I could be seen as like some big wig, maybe I can make a jump to head coach again soon. That's that's essentially my reading of this. I mean, granted, he's going to have some role in in running the defense, as he should. I mean, he's a smart defensive mind. This isn't about him being bad at his job. He was real good with the Patriots, went over to the um, Miami Dolphins, had some stars over there, despite not really having a ton of great players. So, I'm, I'm you know, I don't think this is a pity move by any stretch. I think they're getting a, a deal here with Flores, but I just expected people to be really angry that he's he's essentially a linebacker. So he went from head coach to linebacker's coach with some fluffy little title. And I, I immediately panicked and was like, this is going to be ugly. And everyone's like, this is awesome. Steelers are amazing. Yeah. All right, cool. Again, you're happy. I'm happy. <laughs> as long as you're not complaining, I'm happy. Oh, oh, I found one. So I, I just checked. I, this was as of yesterday. I just checked today, seeing what's going on. And the first comment I read, how do you go from good head coach to a assistant to defense linebackers coach. So there it is. That Again, that was my thought, but most people don't seem to agree. Granted, it's mostly Steelers fans who are like, dude, we just stole, we just stole like somebody that's way overqualified to, to coach up our linebackers. And that is something to be excited about, I guess. I just feel like from, from Flores' standpoint, that kind of sucks. Anyways, final thing I wanted to talk about today, um, the Vikings apparently, according to Kevin O'Connell, uh, they have envisioned a three-man defensive front for the Vikings. The Vikings have used a base 4-3 defense for a long time. That's going to be changing. He goes on to say, I think from a base standpoint, you can look at it that way. But I think uh, somebody threw out that stat to me the other day with everybody really living in 11 personnel nowadays. I think depending on just the defense you talk to, 81% of the time they're in nickel defense. So again, this is kind of a known thing where you know base is going to be different, but everybody's in nickel. And when you're in nickel, everything kind of looks the same anyways. You've generally got your four down guys. 
I still think it's relevant, though, because depending on what your base is, kind of, to some degree, dictates the kind of personnel that you want. When you say you're a 3-4 defense compared to a 4-3 defense, it's not that there isn't a ton of overlap, but it still changes the direction you want to go with the kind of players you want. And again, in, in today's NFL, you need to be a versatile edge guy. If you can stand up but can't put your hand in the dirt, you're not really somebody that anybody wants. If you can put your hand in the dirt and can't stand up, maybe you're, you can be utilized. But generally speaking, I mean, if you're going to be off the edge, you need to have all the tools now. Versatility just in general in the NFL has become so important. Linebackers that are not versatile are useless. Edge rushers, defensive tackles, offensive linemen. Useless is a little harsh depending on which position we're talking about, but um, tight ends. In line, but you also, I mean, you're not just blocking in line anymore. You got to be able to split out. In fact, if you're not slightly better as a receiver than a blocker, you're probably not going to get picked real early. You have to be a really good receiver. If you're not, forget the first two rounds. Even quarterbacks, you know, if you're a stick in the mud, I mean, you'll still go first round if you're really, really good in the pocket, but that's not really what most want. I mean, you got to have a full tool bag and and at least a little bit of, of ability to take off and run is ideal. If not, just we want a guy that's got blazing speed. Running backs, versatility is incredibly important. If you're just a hammer, nobody cares. You have to block and you have to be a receiver. But again, still, and we, we even saw this with, uh, what was it, Barr? Barr was a stand-up outside linebacker. He's a pass rusher. But they're a 4-3 team, so what did they do? They moved him to inside. They didn't put his hand in the dirt. They made him a, a, a linebacker, an off-ball linebacker. Who knows, maybe Barr ends up being a pass rusher after all. But the, 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 the one thing that it gets me thinking about is um, Daniel Hunter, who is arguably the best player on their entire team. Justin Jefferson's also very good. It's easy to say Daniel isn't going to change very much because 85% of the time he's going to be a hand-in-the-dirt guy anyways. Okay, that's fine, but what about when he's not? Are we going to kick him inside as a down defensive, uh, defensive end? Or are we going to tell him to stand up? Based on his snap counts, it looks like they would have him stand up, at least based on what he's done more of. Being a down defensive end, he's done seven times this past year. Being a stand-up outside linebacker, uh, right outside linebacker 19 times, left outside linebacker 32 times. So 51 times in total he stood up. Again, this, I mean, this is, this is a guy that is, he has, he has one thing that he does. In fact, he doesn't even switch sides very much. On the, uh, as a pass rusher off the right side, he did it 53 times. Left side, 271 times. This guy has one job. He is a he lines up on the left side, hand in the dirt, four down linemen, rush off the edge. So listen, he's he's obviously not going anywhere. He's a premier player, but it just this is one thing that scares me when this is one of your few true elite guys who is still relatively young. He's 27 years old. He can play for your team for many, many years, and you go and switch what your base is. Again, it's not going to have as much impact as it did in the past, but you look at guys like Aaron Campman. He was a, a down defensive end. He was a four down hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. We went to a 3-4 system with stand-up outside linebackers, tried to get him to stand up. He just couldn't do it. It wasn't his thing. So even if Daniil takes a half a step back, you have devastated your defense. And again, I can't look at grades based on alignment. That is, if, if I had one request for PFF, that would be it. Give me some grades based on alignment so I can get a better look at this. And, and you know, there's practice and all these different kinds of things. But I would be curious. Okay, so so mostly the, most of the time we're in nickel, so it won't be an impact. Fine, but give me those 15 to 20% of the plays where, where you're in base. What is he doing? You're not going to pull him, right? Maybe once in a while. It makes a difference. And also, here's the other thing. When you start talking about this kind of stuff, and then you talk to your new defensive coordinator and say, okay, this is our base defense. And this it's not even just base. Based on the style of defense you want to play changes what kind of players you want, right? Joe Barry and Mike Patton both ran similar 
in terms of base and that kind of stuff, similar concepts, but they still want different players based on the kinds of things that they're trying to accomplish, right? One might be, we need a really good linebacker, whereas the other guy could not care any less. One might have, you need more cerebral safeties, whereas the other one's like, eh, whatever. You know, Patton wanted just a stout defensive line and, you know, everybody wants that, but maybe that's, you get what I'm saying. But the point is you make this kind of a switch. And my question is, Keeping in mind that they've already committed to a quarterback that's going to be with the team for for a year, two years, maybe, I don't know, three. You've made a win-now commitment at quarterback, but a we-need-to-take-a-couple-years-to-build approach to our defense, which you're going to have to do anyways. I mean, I don't think you're a win-now team anyways, but you start making adjustments and, and you need to build in a new direction. The whole thing of let's keep these guys and try to win now, there, there's, there's conflicting visions that I'm not understanding. And again, maybe the commitment to the quarterback is really just them trying to sound like they love Kirk Cousins when in reality they got saddled with a contract that they can't get out of this year. So they're going to say, we love him, we're sticking with him, and, and as soon as we possibly can, we're going to get out of this contract, move on and find somebody else. I, I have to think that's what's going on with the Vikings. They're going to pretend that we're not rebuilding. They're going to pretend we're not building in a, in a new direction, kind of a teardown, rebuild, uh, do this the right way, get our own quarterback, which again, every GM wants to get their own quarterback. We're going to pretend that's not our vision, but that's absolutely our vision. We'll see. We'll see what kind of moves they make. I'll be interested to know what happens with Daniil Hunter. But anyways, we got we to gotta cool it here because, first of all, it's Sunday. I don't know why I put in so many hours on a Sunday that nobody listens to, but we got to get some Q&A here, man. Um, a couple things here, and it just dawned on me, so I'm glad I remembered. Yeah, we got to get a central place for you guys to message me because I can never find it. First of all, never message me on my Facebook pages, ever, 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 because I, I can't find it. I don't know where it is. I don't know what page you messaged. It's such they, the way that they set it up is so garbage. I got to click through a hundred different things to find, try to find my messages on my Facebook pages, and then it's I don't I don't I'm, I don't even know where to find it. So if you're trying to message me, don't message me on there. All right, I found it, and that is where you message me. Also, Clayton, Clayton, dude, I've been trying to find you forever. You messaged me on here too. That's why. <laughs> my bad, Clayton. I, I'm gonna get back to you. I just I completely lost you. But um. One of the guys that's been around kind of a long time, and I've been asking you for help with certain things, and I'm probably overwhelming you with so many things, but I just, I can't not try to help out when a uh, listener um, is in need. He is already over what he needs, thanks to, geez, um, some really, really generous donations. But, you know, still, if if you feel the need, let's do it. Um, Cody Shepard, maybe some of you have seen him in the Facebook group and whatnot. I'm not positive. I don't even know if he's in the group anymore, but Apparently on the 16th, Cody's fiance and one-year-old son were in a head-on collision. Uh, according to the GoFundMe, it says Jamie Weekly and her one-year-old middle child Carter were struck head-on. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm not, I promise I'm not crying. That was just a fluke thing. <laughs> Something in my throat. They're struck head-on by another vehicle that crossed over their lane on Highway 20. Both were airlifted to Iowa City with major injuries. The family is going to need some financial help so that Cody can be at the hospital where he is needed. All, um, and also take care of their other two children, Eddie Joe and Kobe. Any amount of assistance is greatly appreciated. There's no such thing as a small contribution. Every penny is appreciated. We all know how much gas costs right now, and with a family living in Washington, the trip to Iowa City hospitals and clinics is an hour and a half one way. You can make a donation to this GoFundMe. All proceeds will go directly to Cody or send a gift through Cash App directly to Cody. His Cash App name is Cody Shep 46 C-O-D-Y-S-H-E-P-46. In addition, we ask that you continue to pray for and send positive thoughts of healing to Jamie and Carter and the whole Shepherd Weekly family as they fight back from this. So um, I'm sure anybody can understand the... Uh, it's one of those things where, especially as a parent, 
for some reason, I don't know if you guys do this, but I'll maybe once a week, once every two weeks, one of these thoughts will come into my head. You know, my, my wife will take the kids somewhere and I don't hear from them and it's been like an hour. And for some reason, my mind immediately goes to what if they got hit? What if like a truck hit them or something? And I just go into this tailspin, <laughs> you know, like, why aren't you answering me? And so the, the, um, the heartache of it is, is recognizable, at least to some degree. So again, if you, if you have anything and are willing to donate, again, they set a 5,000 goal, they're at 5160, but, um, you know, obviously these, these dollar amounts are an estimate. So if you're willing and able to give anything, um, if nothing else, just please be in prayer for them and make sure that, you know, we just want them to be okay more so than the financial um, aspect of all this. Again, it's uh, Jamie and Carter. I will um, put this in the Facebook group right now. I may have already done this. I don't remember. I know I was planning on doing it, and I don't remember if I did, but let me do it right now so I don't forget. All right, done. Also, don't forget about Drew and his seizure service dog. You can uh, head over to my Twitter, pack underscore daddy. It is the uh, pinned tweet, um, as well as modernfrontier.com. Go get you some meat. Uh, one word, all caps, meat packer. Get one eighth uh, beef box, one quarter pork box or just a bunch of ground beef. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. First question of the day 
coming from Mr. Michael says, what happened to return man Mr. Moore? Was he inactive or injured in the playoffs? Will he be back, do you think? He only got a couple of punts, but in his limited action, he seemed more promising than Amari. So kind of talked about him a little bit before. David Moore, uh, wide receiver, played in one game. Uh, That was week 17 against Minnesota. He had three kick returns, three punt returns. Um, All the kick returns looked like they were kneel downs, I guess. But on those punt returns, there was one fair caught, had one 21-yard punt return, um, and a grand total of 33 yards, meaning the other one was only 12 yards. A little bit of extra background, he he bounced around a ton. So he was with the Seahawks for 2017 through 2020. But in 2021, he got picked up by Carolina, signed a two-year $4.7 million contract, was released September 1st. So he was signed in March and was let go basically as soon as the season started. September 6th, the Raiders picked him up, signed to the practice squad. September 28th, he was signed off the Denver Broncos, uh, or excuse me, the Denver Broncos signed him off the Raiders practice squad. So this guy's been flying all around the country this past year. He got released by the Denver Broncos October 19th, 2021, and was re-signed to the practice squad, and then was released on November 9th. The Packers picked him up December 30th, 2021. He was signed to the Green Bay Packers practice squad. He was elevated to the active roster on January 1st, 2022, ahead of week 17. So, I mean, <laughs> we picked him up December 30th, and what, two days later, he's playing and is a returner. So, look, I, I, I don't think necessarily that this is going to be a long-term thing with Moore. He was a, signed as a street-free agent. As far as I know, he's the only guy on the entire roster that was a street-free agent, Try to do a quick refresher on exactly how that works. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's the Packers are either going to sign him or they're not. I don't know. I, I genuinely think that this is a case of a guy who had two good plays and we overhyped the guy. Maybe he's really got something. Maybe he's a really special guy. I don't know. Cle- clearly, you're right about him having better or more promising. Um, he's more promising than Amari. Amari had numerous opportunities and very rarely had returns quite like this. But it's such a limited sample size. And if you go back over his career, his average yards per return, it was 11 with the Packers. It's 8.7 as his career. So the odds that moving forward, we're going to keep David Moore on our roster because he had like one good return, because maybe he can be this elite returner, although he's never been in his career and he's going to take up a spot on our roster. Again, I think we're just massively overhyping a guy because he did one good thing one time. He's been in the league since 2017. He's never been a super promising return guy. And he he had one or two good returns, and that's it. And again, Amari had one or two good returns too, but nobody cares because it was surrounded by a bunch of bad ones. Same with David Moore. We just didn't see the bad ones because he did it for other teams. Like I said, Amari literally is a great example of this. He had his best return, I think, in that, I think it was against the 49ers. No, maybe it was Detroit. I don't know. It must have been Detroit. But because he did really stupid stuff, um, like taking the ball out of the end zone, et cetera, et cetera, we just completely disregarded. For example, David Moore's longest punt was 21 yards. Everybody lost their mind about how much they love David Moore because of a 21-yard return. Against Detroit, Amari Rogers had a punt return of 23 yards. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. Because everything else was terrible. And that's fair, right? Everything else is not great. So here's the thing. If they bring him back, great. I don't think they will. And I think what's going to happen is they're probably going to let him, and again, this could be wrong because He's going to be basically free. So maybe maybe they bring him back on a, a small thing. In other words, he'll be, still be on the roster. Whether or not they continue to carry him into the regular season, I don't know. But as long as we have the opportunity to have 5 billion players on the roster, we'll, we'll extend him an offer 
It's 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 generally something where I think the Packers are going to make the decision that we're we're not going to go in this direction, and I think Packer fans are going to be furious, saying, "You bunch of idiots! You finally had something good and you let it go." And there may be some truth to that. I don't know. Maybe he really just did figure it out, and he deserves an opportunity. And if nothing else, he's better than what we got. And I agree with that, which is why I'm okay with just letting him stick around for now. But I, I genuinely believe if we move forward with the plan of keeping him to be our punt returner and allowing ourselves to give up an entire roster spot for just a punt returner, we're going to regret it because I don't think he's going to be that dynamic forever. I think he just had one or two good returns, which when you only return it, when you're punted two, three times, you have one fair catch, a 12-yard return, and like a freaking 21-yard return or whatever. Yeah, you look like a freak, but his entire career says otherwise. So that's generally my thought. I don't mean to just dog the guy, but there's just a lot of love for David Moore, and I understand it, but I think if we look at the big picture, it's too much hype. So I won't be heartbroken if he leaves. If he stays, then then yeah, we, he's he's our best returner, probably. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Better than Amari, probably. Let's say that. All right. Goose says, what position could improve the most next year based on the players we already have improving? Um, so I'm assuming what you mean is we're not, we're not bringing in free agents or draft picks. We're talking about the roster as it currently is. Where is there the most growth potential? Is, that's that's the, the question I'm going to answer. So I hope that was the question you asked. Um, I, I mean, let's, let's go through it. Wide receiver, no. There's basically zero growth potential. I think we know what everybody is. As, as I said, Devontae tapped out, and this is just ignoring the part where half these guys are going to leave, but Devontae's tapped out. We know what EQ is. We know what MVS is. We know what Lazard is. Um, Amari's the only guy that might take a leap, but I, I don't think it's going to massively improve the dynamic, especially, again, when you consider guys are going to be leaving. So I don't expect that to grow. Running back, not necessarily, although I do still think there's a good amount of potential with A.J. Dillon. And of course, if the offensive line improves, that's going to make AJ Dillon look like much more of a star. But that's a separate. That doesn't. That's that's cheating. Quarterback, of course not. Tight end, not really. Although I'm looking square at Josiah Deguara, still hoping that he has some kind of a massive breakout. Um, offensive line, you can kind of cheat a little bit if you say David Bakhtiari. Would you stop Adobe? My goodness, every second with. I don't care. Never want a notification from my computer ever. I don't need it for anything ever. It must have just, like, my computer just woke up. I was like, oh, we got about 100 notifications. Here, check this out. Anyways, um, my first thought went to offensive line, um, so that's kind of where my head's at. Again, saying David Bakhtiari slash Elton Jenkins might be kind of cheating, but it more or less has to do with Josh Myers, and I don't know when Elton Jenkins is coming back, and I don't know in what condition David Bakhtiari is coming back. I don't know any of those things. But if we keep Billy Turner and he's able to anchor down a position, and we're looking at a, a, an offensive line that is David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, a massively improved Josh Myers, whoever our right guard is, and then Billy Turner, presumably, again, he's not my favorite, but that line, I mean, at its peak, I think is an incredible offensive line. Now, that's assuming a lot of things, but just take what that is, it assumes David comes back as David Elton comes back at all, and and Josh is is taking a massive step. But compare that to what we had last year; that is a massive improvement. And then, of course, there's going to be some addition, whether that be to tackle guard or both in the draft and slash free agency. But that's that's my first thought of where things can massively grow. Um, if we're saying I don't mean guys coming back from injury, then we're just talking about Josh Myers. Eh. Um. If we go over to the defense, defensive tackle, no, I don't really think so. Um, TJ Slayton is the one guy that you have circled there. Um, 
I'm still skeptical of his pass rush ability. I know I keep saying that, and he keeps making me look stupid getting sacks and whatnot. But I just, again, he's not built for that. I think he's a he has room for improvement as a pass rusher, as a and as a run defender. But I don't think he's going to be like you know the next elite defensive tackle that you're going to pair with Kenny Clark or whatever. I'm excited about him him and his growth. I just I don't think that his ceiling is quite as high as maybe some people make it out to be. Um, Edge, I still think Rashawn has some room to grow for sure. I mean, if he can just, again, turn some of those pressures into sacks, it's, it's going to make a massive difference. The problem is there's not much outside of that. Preston, I think if he stays, there's nowhere to go but down. I think he massively overperformed for what he is. Sedarius, so I don't think there's any way he's coming back, as we've already talked about. Whitney Merciless, maybe. And again, if we're talking about returning from injury, now you got Whitney. But again, is the, is the unit going to improve compared to what it was? I don't think so. Because Preston was peak. And, and even Rashawn, I don't know that he's able to replicate what he did. I mean, there's, there's room for growth in terms of sacks, but in terms of the amount of pressures he got, if he can do that consistently for many years, we're talking about one of the more premier pass rushers that's just out there. And that's going to be the big test. I mean, it, forget the sacks. If he can maintain that level of pressure rate and everything else, if, if he just if he doesn't grow, but he just maintains, he's already a star. And the sacks will follow. I mean, some, some years they spike, some years they fall off. Um, linebacker, I don't know that there's really anywhere to grow uh, aside from Devondre stays and we, we add a, a compliment. But I, I again, I'm on record saying if Devondre stays, I think there's some regression. Maybe not back to what he's always been because he's got a great system and he knows what he's doing here and he's, he's got some tools. But I don't necessarily think he's going to be quite as good. Safety, I don't see any real real room for... I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that at all. We that's, that's contrary to what I've already said. I mean, this is a much more complex thing and it's going to take some time to grow. And if Darnell Savage can massively improve and kind of get back to what he was a couple of years ago, that's a, a real big thing. I think the reason I was skating over that is because it dawned on me how big of an improvement we can make at cornerback. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I'm like, safe safety and safety's stupid. Anyways, let's talk about corner. Um, no, safety is a, is a very good answer. But corner is going to be the biggest one. And again, if you're, if you're granting me returns of players if you talk about Jair and and a potential jump from Eric Stokes who had a a solid rookie year if you're talking about a a second year leap from Eric Stokes as well as a return of Jair Alexander to some form even if he's not number one if he's still a top 10 corner in the NFL after returning and Eric Stokes takes that jump I kind of don't care who else is here I mean again I think Kevin King stays I like Kevin King in the slot I'm complete I mean Stokes taking a jump Kevin King in the slot and and Jair that's stupid um, you know, Shamar, Gene Charles takes a step, uh, Razul stays, I, I, whatever. But the, that alone might be the answer with Jair and Eric Stokes taking a leap. So, I mean, there's, there's plenty of good answers. Um, some positions are definitely a no. Offensive line makes sense. Tight end to a smaller degree. Edge rusher, not really, but maybe. But cornerback, and, and, and honestly, safety is actually a pretty good answer as well. <clears throat> Partially because, I mean, even Amos could have a better year. If he's just more consistent and not taking a half a year like he's done the last two years of you know, the first part of the year, not great. And then he kind of figures it out. And, and Darnell has to get better than he was, which again, I'm, I'm willing to be patient with. We've got a, a great DB coach. Um, and, and again, the, the, what we were told even before the, the season started is that it's, it's a little bit more complex for safeties, but these are the right guys for the system. They just need to, to maybe get a better understanding. So I think that the DBs overall, if, if everything kind of gets a little better and they get a better understanding of this second year, this could be a freakishly scary unit. I mean, I think that's my answer is just DB with no addition aside from Jair, but no real addition. This has the potential to be the best secondary in football. And yeah, I'm a biased Packer fan, but I didn't say that about defensive line or edge or linebacker, um, maybe offensive line while acknowledging the right side is still a question mark. 
right? But, but DB is really the area where if every, and, and that's, that's the biggest thing I'm saying here. If everybody meets their full potential, Jair, Eric Stokes, Amos, Savage, and whatever we're putting in the slot, if every single one of those guys maxes their potential for where they're at in their particular career, this is an unbelievable secondary. Um, Aaron says, with talks of the Rams running it back, with the injuries that happened last season, what's the chances that Rodgers, Z, Preston, and the remaining potential free agents take a team-friendly deal in order to allow us to run it back? Not including Ja, he deserves his payday. I would say zero for any of these players. Rodgers, maybe a little bit. Um, and we'd have to look at what team-friendly means. I mean, outside of Tom Brady, can you name a single player that has taken a team-friendly deal? And what did that look like? What actually made it team-friendly? I'm not, I'm not trying to be argumentative. I just, I don't know. I just, I, I think everybody looks at what Tom Brady did and I don't even know the full structure of that and how that worked. And if that was, if there's ever, if there's even any real truth to that, I've never actually done a deep dive. I just take it as, as gospel because it's a thing people say, but um, I just, I just don't think it happens, man. I mean, you, you got guys, you know, your, your NFL life is short and um, I don't know that you can convince Zadarius and Preston and uh, Devontae and all these guys to take a team-friendly deal to to run it back. And, th- and that does kind of suck because Tampa was able to do, although they won the Super Bowl, that's the thing. If you win the Super Bowl and then you try to get guys to take a team-friendly deal to run it back, maybe you have a little bit of a better shot. But when you've missed out every year, it's like, dude, let's run it back. Like, run what back? A playoff exit? You want me to deny myself a ma- Think about Devontae. If he has a $27 million deal on the table from whoever, and the Packers are like, dude, all right, look, let's do 22 and let's just do this thing, man. Do what thing? Bring back all the same players? What does that mean? Why do I care about that? Um, and Zadarius would have to, we just have to zero out his, <laughs> I don't know how, fr- how friendly you can even be to make that make sense. Um, and, and same with Preston. I mean, especially since he put out in a big way this past year, he's got an opportunity to make money that he never really had. This was his best year of his career. So he's going to maximize that. So no. Now, will teams be able to see through that and, and be like, all right, that was a little fluky. Come on now. Maybe. But still, I, I think everyone's going to maximize their, their potential. Now, is it possible that if you have to choose between a garbage team and like an extra $1 million over four years or something, you know what I mean? It, there is a line where it's like, it's, it's not that important to me. I do want to be in a, in a better environment, but there's other good teams and there's other good teams in better locations. And there's other, you know, I mean, if the, if the, uh, if the 49ers came calling, would you be opposed to that? That's another team that's a playoff team, and it's in, in a nicer climate, although I don't know if you want to live in San Francisco, but I'm sure there's nice areas outside of the city a little ways. You know, um, Dallas. Dallas is a playoff team. That's a super competitive team right now. And, you know, again, nice climate and no income tax. I don't need to take a massive pay cut to be with the Packers. Again, I think if you win the Super Bowl and want to run it back, you might have an argument, but the Packers I don't think really do. There's a benefit to being a winning team, but half the team is making it in the playoffs these days. Half the league is. Um, got a very similar question here from Brian. He says, what's more likely? Rodgers signs for way too much money, or Rodgers puts his money where his mouth is, literally, making it, quote, for the people, and takes a team-friendly deal that enables the Packers to make other moves. I would say the first one. I think the Packers are willing to break the bank for Rodgers, and I think Rodgers is willing to sign that contract. I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't necessarily like that. Um... But it just feels like that's where it is, especially from a negotiating standpoint. You know, any negotiator in the world is going to look at what the Packers are doing and say, you guys are idiots. Now, maybe that's what's required to enable to, to, to keep Rodgers or whatever, but you have no leverage in this situation whatsoever. Now, again, unless this whole thing was a ruse to begin with, we talked about that conspiracy theory. Maybe, 
you say we want them, we want them, we want them, we want them, and then you offer them a low ball contract, which again, there's already a rumor out there that they're offering highest paid quarterback money. So that makes this seem unlikely, but you can low ball him. He goes somewhere else and it's like, oh, shucks, we tried. But I, I think that they're going to break the bank. I don't think Rodgers is planning on doing it. Would he maybe be willing? Maybe, but he's, he's, he's on the verge of going somewhere else slash retiring. So the idea that he wants to be here so bad and run it back, he'd be willing to take a team for it. He doesn't need to. I mean, if, if you're comfortable in not even playing, why would you sacrifice anything for this team? I, I don't know. I would, I would definitely say the prospect of Rodgers signing for way too much money is way more likely than him taking a team-friendly deal especially after back-to-back MVPs with the amount of just absolute psychotic fervor there is for Aaron Rodgers and all the owners that are willing to do all kinds of stupid stuff that will listen to Rodgers, do whatever he wants, sign whoever he wants, basically make him assistant head coach slash assistant GM. He's not taking team-friendly jack squad. Again, maybe it'll be a little less than we expected. I don't know, but I just, I don't, I don't really see it. Finally, Steve says, I agree completely with your analysis that paying Aaron Rodgers any more is not good business. With the NFC North as weak as it is in the coming year, I would trade Rodgers and Adams to two different teams and concrete the offensive line, probably tackles, wide receivers, and edge. Time to find out where what we have in Mr. Love. You can fill a lot of needs with the money Rodgers and Adams are making. So it's not a question, but kind of in that same vein of what we've been talking about. And that clears out my cue in the Q&A. So anyways, um, that's all I got for you. You folks have yourselves a wonderful, fantastic, and beautiful day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.